Good morning, church. Uh, It's so great to see you, uh, to be with you again. As many of you know, I've been away with my family um, on vacation. We were kind of tooling around up in New England for about 12 or 13 days. Uh, We saw some beautiful things we'd never seen. Uh, We hung out with some wonderful people that we love. I ate at least one lobster, uh, and we ate a whole lot of ice cream. So it was fantastic, and, uh, but it's so good to be back with you again. Um, let me pray as we go to God's Word. Our Father, we thank you and do lift up our hearts of gratitude to you that already this morning we have heard this amazing good news that despite our sin and our brokenness, you have forgiven and healed us that we know the king and the king knows us, that we are in his favor through the mercy of Jesus. Lord, we all need help. I I especially do. And I pray for help from your Holy Spirit and that we would not just hear your word today, but respond to it with obedience and love. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Does anyone else feel exhausted after, <laughs> after this week? Um, you know, I got to be honest that it, it was actually kind of hard not to be with you as much as I actually would rather have been with my family. Um, I won't hide that fact, but it was hard not being with you in a, a time like this that our commonwealth is going through, that our nation is going through. Um, and I think we, we feel sort of a sense of collective exhaustion. The, the sorrow over what happened in Charlottesville, the boiling tension in our nation, the back and forth, even on personal social media, um, the deep, deep political divides in our nation, the shrieking media coverage on both sides, uh, the, the fear I think that all of us carry sometimes of not knowing what's next. It's like we've, we've endured a collective bruising. And so it is good to be here. It is good to be together. Uh, It is good to look to God to show us the way forward. And the Psalms, as we've seen this summer, are this incredible tool for helping us to find our way in times like this because they express the whole myriad of emotions or experiences that you may be bringing into this place today from sorrow to anger to apathy, all of them. Through the Psalms, we can lament as we've learned this summer. We lament over violence and racism and hate in the broken state of our land. Uh, Through the Psalms, we confess. We confess our own sin, our own pride, our own anger and fear. Uh, Through the Psalms, we can express our anger in a godly way at those who have wounded and harmed and broken. And through the Psalms, we can voice our longing to God to fill these empty places of our hearts and of our land. And so the Psalms give us language for our experience to express whatever myriad of emotions and responses you carry into this place today. But that's not the only thing the Psalms do. The Psalms, as this case for all the scripture, do not just help us express our feelings. They also show us the facts. And I've learned after years of marriage counseling, there's a big difference between feelings and facts. (laughs) They give us the facts of reality. The reality is this, friends, that the psalm gives us, that God reigns, God rules, God stands as the Lord of heaven and earth over this world, over this nation, over every nation in the earth. And that, I believe, is what we most need to know right now. In this time of immense confusion, in this time when when people are just floundering to know the way forward, in a time 
frankly, when moral clarity is desperately needed and we cannot look to the university or the media or the public opinion or the government or anything else for the kind of moral clarity that's required right now, we, the people of God, look to the word of God for the kind of clarity that is needed in moments like this. And when we look at the word of God, as we will do today, what we see is God's reign. We see his power, his rule that is above us, beyond us, outside of us, not dependent upon us, not dependent on anything that happens in our land. And we turn to the psalm to see the fact of the kingdom of God. And that is what the psalm today, this Psalm 47, this glorious psalm gives to us. This vision that the Lord is king. His kingship and power oversees all things even in the midst of a world of chaos. And so what I want to do is proclaim this fact together as this psalm was meant to be proclaimed. And so what I'd like to do, um, I have this psalm, I put it, the words up here on the screen. I'm going to ask Brooke to help me with this. So those of you here with me um, on my left, um, we'll read the normal type font. Um, and then those of you over there to my right will read the bold type font. I know there's a couple of you in the balcony who are in the middle, but you just, you just figure it out. I'm sure you're able to do that. Um, and, and we're going to proclaim this psalm as it was meant to be proclaimed. Okay, so hear God's word. It is good, it is true, and it is given to you in love. People, clap your hands, all you nations. Shout to God with cries of joy. For the Lord most high is awesome, the great king over all the earth. He subdued nations under us, peoples under our feet. He chose our inheritance for us, the pride of Jacob, whom he loved. God has ascended amid shouts of joy. The Lord amid the sounding of trumpets. Sing praises to God. Sing praises. Sing praises to our King. Sing praises. For God is the King of all the earth. Sing to Him a psalm of praise. God reigns over the nations. God is seated on His holy throne. And we say all together, the nobles of the nations assemble as the people of the God of Abraham, for the kings of the earth belong to God. He is greatly exalted. Brothers and sisters, this is the word of the Lord. There are just two simple things that I want to talk with you about today that I believe this psalm exhorts us to do, that this psalm and many of the psalms of praise exhort us to do. These two things today, friends. It first calls us to praise God's rule, pure and simple. Like all the great psalms of praise in the scripture, simply praising God and his rule is enough. Praise God's rule. And the second thing the psalm shows us to do is to pray God's rule. To pray that his rule and his kingdom would be extended on the earth in a way that it is not yet manifested. We pray that kingdom come. So first we praise God's rule, then we pray God's rule. First, let's look at the fact that we've called to praise God's rule. This psalm It's basically doing one thing and one thing only, pure and simple. It is celebrating and praising Yahweh, the king of Israel, as the king of all the earth, which is kind of remarkable if you think about it, because if you remember, Israel was a very, very small nation, quite a tiny group of people compared to the whole mass of people that were living in the world at the time. It was a minuscule nation compared to the great, enormous global stage in which every nation had its own God. And every nation worshiped its own God. And no nation ever presumed to believe that their God was actually the God of all the nations. And yet here in this psalm, 
These people, this little group of people are declaring that their God, Yahweh, is not just the God of Israel, not just the God of this little part of the Middle East, but he is the king and the ruler of all the nations of all the earth. And yet here's what I really love about this psalm. This psalm is not just describing God's kingship as a theological fact. This psalm is a party invitation. It's a party invitation. It is an invitation to the biggest hand-clapping, foot-stomping, champagne-popping, shout-on-the-top-of-your-lungs kind of party that you have ever seen. Look at this, verse 1. Clap your hands, all you people. Come on. Clap your hands, all you people. You got to do the Bible, like Pastor Don, my mentor, always said. Shout. To the Lord with a loud songs of joy. Come on, shout. Woohoo! For the Lord, why? Because the Lord Most High is awesome. He is the great king over all the earth. Look at verse six. Sing praises to God. Sing praises. Sing praises to our king. Sing praises. Do do you think he wants you to sing? (laughs) For God is the king of all the earth. This is an invitation, it is a party invitation. And the invitation list includes every single person on the face of the earth. How's that for your, you know, try to put that into your paperless post, you know, every, every person on the face of the earth, every person who has ever lived, every nation, every tribe and tongue and people and language to see that this God is the king and to celebrate. And we celebrate because this king is not a malicious king. He's not a capricious king. He is not a ruthless or selfish king. He is a good and gracious king whose reign is marked by love. My, one of my favorite movies as a kid. I wonder if any of you kids have seen this. If you haven't, you should get your parents to show it to you. The Disney version of Robin Hood. Have you ever seen that? Yeah, you've seen that, Luke? Yeah, you've seen that. One of the greatest movies ever made, at least according to my seven-year-old self. Um, and it, it's the story of Robin Hood, and even you adults probably know the story, that Richard the King uh, was banished, and, and his mean and nasty brother, Prince John, you remember him? that funny little guy, uh, he was ruling over the land. And under John's rule, the kingdom, do you remember what happened? The kingdom withered. And everyone in the land deeply suffered and starved because of John's selfishness and his ruthlessness. But do you remember what happened? Robin Hood and his merry band worked against the king and they eventually toppled him. And King Richard returned. And do you remember what happened, boys and girls? Do you remember what happened when King Richard came back home. What did they do? They threw a party. They threw the biggest party that land had ever seen because the good king is back and when the good king is on his throne, it is good news for everyone. And friends, this is what we are invited into by this psalm, to see that there is a God and that he is the king and he is a good and gracious king and that he is the king of all the earth and this is good news for you. As the, as the hymn says, blessings abound wherever he reigns. The prisoners leap to loose their chains. The weary find eternal rest and all who suffer want are blessed. That is the good news for you and for every person on the earth to set you free from your fears, to liberate you from anxiety, to promise you a future of goodness and peace, and to make you want to party. Because the greater the submission to this king, the deeper the joy. I want to share with you a little bit from my dear sister, uh, Janice, who's just sitting right here. Many of you know Janice Sumter. Um, and you know that um, we invited a lot of you to suggest what psalms you thought we should preach on this summer. And Janice is the one who suggested Psalm 47. And 
I just want to read to you from Janice and what she wrote uh, to me uh, when she described why she wanted this song to be read. So, and I am reading this with her, his, her permission. I know some of you are terrified that if you send me an email, I will read it from the pulpit. Um, but I did ask Janice. Um, this is what Janice wrote. She said, when I first came to know the Lord, I was taught the blessing of learning to sing the Psalms. And one of the first and best I learned was Psalm 47. 45 years later, I still go about singing the Psalm, reminding myself that it is the Lord Most High who is truly awesome, and that it is he, not I, not the political system, not the utopians who are sure that their plan will bring about peace on earth, but it is God alone who is the great king over all the earth, that in spite of the wickedness and the wicked rulers of this world, God reigns, he sits upon his throne, and the shields of the earth belong to him. And then this is what Janice wrote. When I think of these marvelous attributes and see that scripture calls me to shout to this king, to praise him, to clap hands, to rejoice in such a king, it immediately delivers me from my self-preoccupation and allows me to rejoice even in the midst of difficulty, suffering, and sorrow because I am victorious in Jesus, my king. Now, I want you to know something, that these are not words from a woman who is just coasting through life. If you know Janice, you know that Janice is disabled, that she lives her life in a wheelchair. Uh, The last year, she experienced the death of her uh, beloved husband, Bill, of many, many decades. Janice has not lived an easy life, and yet she knows what she's talking about. Janice has discovered the secret to a triumphant life, and it's right here in this psalm. You've got to get this right. Most, most of our days, we live absorbed with our own greatness or our own wretchedness. You know, my agenda, my ambitions, my priorities, the things I need to get done. I have a wonderful plan for my life, and I love me. And I am at the center, my agenda, and my reality. But the psalm, call us back to the facts, friends, that he is the king, I am not. He is the Lord, I am not. He is in charge, I am not. And I finally see the right, my right place, that I am a subject of the king. And that I am a treasured subject of the king who rules over heaven and earth and who holds all things together. And to see that is to get a clear perspective on my life, to set me free from burdens and to trust the one who rules all things. That is what this psalm shows us, what Janice, what you have taught me. But the greater the surrender to Jesus the king, the deeper the joy. Janice also told me about one of her favorite um, authors, Hannah Whitehall Smith, who was a Quaker who wrote in 1888 the book, The Christian Secret of a Happy Life. And Hannah Smith wrote in this book that she wondered why anyone would want to become a Christian when she saw all the Christians going around like abandoned sheep, moaning and groaning, with no difference between them and someone who does not know him. Well, unfortunately, friends, in our day, Christians are not much different. That we are known in the public sphere as those who are most known by their anger, and their bitterness and their resentment more than anything else. What if, what if, brothers and sisters, instead of thinking of ourselves as an embattled political minority or thinking of ourselves as a group of persecuted underdogs, what if instead we thought of ourselves as what this psalm says we are, the privileged subjects of the mighty king of all the earth? And what if our message to the world was not, let's get mad and fight for our rights, What if instead our message was, let's throw a party and everybody's invited? Because that is the message of this psalm. That is what this psalm is calling us to do. Praise him. Praise him, friends. Praise him. Thank you. (laughs) 
<laughs> praise him. So we, we praise him. That's the first thing this psalm to do, is, and that is enough, simply to praise him. The second thing, though, that this psalm calls us to do is to not just praise God's rule, but to pray God's rule. This psalm is weird. It's weird because it is celebrating something that has not yet happened yet. And it's called, actually, an eschatological psalm. Eschatology is the study of the things of the future. This is an eschatological psalm because it is celebrating and throwing a party for something that has not yet come to pass. Now, I turned 40 in June, and my wife Sarah threw me a party a week before my actual birthday. I called it my eschatological party. You know, this is... Sorry, it's a terrible pastor joke, but it makes, a, it, it makes a good point here, is that we are celebrating before something has yet occurred. We are, when we pray this psalm, we are anticipating and looking forward to and even praying for God's future rule, the state of reality that will come to pass when God is ruling over heaven and earth and everything is finally as it should be. Now, I don't know if you have noticed this or not, but the world is not yet as God wants it to be. Have you noticed that, friends? Has anybody noticed that the world is not yet as God intends this world to be? That the world is broken, the world is shattered, the earth is torn and ripped apart by human rebellion and sin. And frankly, if I gotta be honest with you, sometimes it sure doesn't seem like God is the king of the earth. Sometimes you might even wonder after a week like this one, whether the king fell asleep or the king dropped his scepter in the bathtub whether the king went out for a really long lunch. And that is why this is an eschatological psalm, because it is anticipating, yearning, looking forward to what will happen when the rule of God is finally consummated, when God is not just reigning in heaven as he currently is, but also on the earth, when the evil prince John is banished from the earth and the good king Jesus comes and sets his reign. That is what this psalm anticipates and calls us to pray for and look forward to. And what will that day be like? Do you know? What will that day, when the good king comes, what will that day be like? Well, look at verse 8. God reigns over the nations. God is seated on his holy throne. The nobles of the nations assemble as the people of the God of Abraham. For the kings of the earth belong to God. He is highly exalted. Now, if you know your Old Testament well... You know that this is a direct reference to Genesis 12, 1 to 3. God's great promise to Abraham. That God comes to Abraham in Genesis 12 and he says, I will bless you. I am choosing you. Not because you're awesome or cool, but just because I love you. I'm choosing you because I'm choosing you because I'm choosing you. And I am choosing you not so that you can enjoy your own special status. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will bless those who bless you. Whoever curses you, I will curse. And here is the good phrase, my friends. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. In other words, Israel is chosen... And and, and even used by God to subdue other nations, as we see in our psalm in verse 3. But the ultimate purpose of God is not to exalt Israel at the expense of the nations. It is to bless Israel for the blessing of the nations. And to bring them into his family so that every person of every tribe and nation and language and color and ethnicity would be welcomed by Jesus into his kingdom. This is an amazing vision. And friends, I want you to know and realize this, that just like every other psalm that we have looked at this summer, this psalm is fulfilled in Jesus Christ. That Jesus is the great king. That the psalms 
And all of the Old Testament anticipated, as Paul says in Ephesians 1, God has seated him at the, his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above. I can't even get high enough. All rule and power and authority and dominion in every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but in the one to come. He now is the king that is ruling over all things. And that he is the king who fulfills the promise to Abraham. This is what Paul says in Galatians 3. He says, understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles. That's the word ethnos, the ethnicities by faith. And announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. Here it is again. All nations will be blessed through you. So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. So friends, hear this. Jesus is the seed of Abraham. Jesus came and lived as the true king. Jesus died to tear down the barriers that divided the nations from God. Jesus invites every person of every nation to trust in him and become a part of his kingdom. And at the end of all time, when he rules over heaven and earth, as Revelation 7 shows us, he will rule over a multinational, multi-ethnic, multi-racial kingdom of every tribe and tongue and people and language. This is what we anticipate and pray for and long for when we pray Psalm 47. Brothers and sisters, one of the reasons why we, we, we must unequivocally stand against what we saw in Charlottesville last week is because of what this psalm and the whole Bible proclaims. What we saw in Charlottesville is the antithesis of the kingdom of God. One of the things that protesters yelled was blood and soil. It's the English translation of Blut, Blut and Buden, a 19th century German phrase about blood, the racially defined national body, and soil, the settlement area. It became a key slogan in Nazi ideology, this combination of race and place. Race and place. And recently, white nationalists have taken up this phrase to defend this idea of a pure homeland, one in which white people retain power and the land remains pure. Friends, let me say, as plainly as I know how to say, that this is a heresy this is a denouncement of the gospel. That this is an idolatry that re-crucifies Jesus and rejects the purpose for which Jesus died. We don't have to be unclear. The Bible gives us the kind of moral clarity that we need right now. That it shows us the way, the way of truth, that we believe that this God made the nations. This God desires to gather the nations to himself, every tribe and tongue and language. That this God gave us Jesus who literally died and suffered the travails of hell to create a multinational, multi-ethnic kingdom over which he reigns. And therefore, that's why... So friends, this is why, this is why we, we do, as believers, need to stand against any forms of white supremacy and racism. Because of the Bible... This is why we don't exalt any race or any nation as superior to any others, because of the Bible. This is why, as, especially as white Christians, we learn about how we may be blind to the racism in our society, in our, even in our church, or our own lives. And when we do, as Christians, we repent because of the Bible. And, and, and we reject any way of violence or hatred. We commit to the way of peace as agents of reconciliation. And above all, as believers in Jesus, the King, we do everything we can to be a church that embodies 
that future kingdom even now so that we would be a place, as we're seeking to do with the Christian Arabic church, as we're seeking to do in other ways, where people of diverse nations and races can gather around Jesus, which so clearly bears witness to the Jesus of the Bible, the true Jesus who now reigns of heaven and earth. This is a time for the church to show the way and be the church, which is why I think it's so beautiful to see over 500 pastors and ministry leaders have, have signed this statement um, in, in response to what happened in Charlottesville, in Richmond, pastors in Richmond, which is, I believe, a beautiful witness of the gospel in our city. If, if, I'd encourage you to read it. It's, at, uh, it's richmondpastorsstatement.org. I encourage you to read it. But friends, this is, this is what we're doing when we pray this psalm. We are praying God's rule. We are recognizing that his rule has not yet come to pass, but we pray for his rule to be established on the earth. And so when you pray this psalm, pray for the nations. Pray that many people in many nations, every nation of the earth, would come to know Jesus. Pray for people like the Callaways, who are going to share the gospel with unreached people groups who have never yet heard about Jesus. Pray that the kingdom would come through them. Pray for those who are, who are seeking reconciliation in our own nation, those Christians. Pray for the, the hearts of the protesters. Pray for the hearts of the counter-protesters. Pray that more and more of these people would come to know Jesus and that the church would be empowered and renewed and that the parts of the world that are broken would be healed. We pray, we don't just praise God's rule, we pray for his rule. As Jesus taught us to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in Richmond, on earth as it is in heaven. So friends, I want to invite you to, to do perhaps one of these three things in response uh, to this psalm. First, the first thing, especially to those of you who don't know Jesus, I invite you to come into the kingdom. You know, Americans are very suspicious of kings. Uh, we, have, we have a long history. We listen to the entire Hamilton uh, soundtrack driving down from Connecticut. And man, there's a lot of, uh, of songs that reminded me of how much Americans hate kings. And yet it is Voltaire who once said, the best form of government is a benevolent monarchy with an occasional assassination. Um, and so, you know, there you have it, friends. I want you to know that if you don't know Jesus, that you have that benevolent monarch in him. He is the only king who will never crush you. He's the only king that will never oppress you. He's the only king who will never do anything out of his own agenda or purpose, but will everything he does, he does it for the sake of those he loves. He is the only king, and this is the king who already reigns and is now inviting you to join the party that celebrates his rule. So would you know him? Would you come to know this king and be a part of the movement of the king on the earth? The second thing is, for those of you who do know Jesus, I want to encourage you to live in the kingdom. G.K. Chesterton, in his wonderful book, Orthodoxy, ended that book by meditating on the person of Jesus. He said, you know, there was something about Jesus. There was some quality beneath all of the tears, all of his anger, beneath his teaching and his work and his miracles, beneath his suffering, all of it. There was one deep quality undergirding all the others, and that quality was joy, the joyful king, the joyful king. And friends, as Christians, we know that it is good and right to grieve. We've seen that this summer. It's right to grieve. It's right to lament. It's right to be angry. It's right to be sorrowful. It's right to be sad. But the Psalms have show us ultimately this, that if you know this God, everything always ends in joy. 
All of your sorrows always end in joy. All of your brokenness always ends in praise. This is why the end of the Psalter, Psalm 146 to 150, ends with pure, uncompromised praise. All of your sorrows always end in praise. So friends, we know a king, and Janice, you have taught me this, that all of my sorrows can end in praise as I've seen them in your life. That if you know this God, if you know this king, you know the king who reigns and who comes to set all things right. I believe that one of the most powerful ways that we can witness to this world is through our joy, because we know the king. Finally, I encourage you to pray for the kingdom. Jesus himself taught us to do this when he said, when you pray, pray like this. Hallowed be your name, that's praise, thy kingdom come. That's praying his rule. And he does not tell us to pray that we would be whisked away to the heavenly kingdom. He says, pray that the kingdom would come on earth as it is in heaven, the earth that Jesus will one day come to rule. So friends, let's do that now. Let's pray. I want to invite you uh, to turn to page um, 14 in your bulletin. And we're going to pray together. And I know that there's a lot of people here and you might be nervous about praying out loud and that's okay. You don't need to pray, but I know some of you are very glad to pray out loud (laughs) Um, And so I would encourage you to do so and to speak loudly so that people can hear you. And when um, I'll pray this opening prayer and I'll pray at the end, your kingdom come and I would like you to respond, your will be done as an agreement. Let's try that together. Your kingdom come. And so after that, I'll invite anyone to pray, maybe just a brief prayer for anything in which you long to see Jesus's kingdom come. That could be someone who's suffering from an illness. You long to see Jesus's healing kingdom come into life. It could be um, something going on in our country in which you long to see Jesus' healing kingdom come into our world. You could just say something like, we pray for those who are suffering addiction that they would know freedom. Your kingdom come, your will be done. So let's, let's spend time praying together. After each of your prayer, you say, your kingdom come, and the congregation will respond, your will be done. Okay, let's pray together. King Jesus, you reign over heaven and earth Yet there is so much in our city and in our nation, in our world, that does not reflect the peace and the healing and the justice and grace of your everlasting kingdom. Hear our prayers as we cry out to you that your kingdom would come on earth as it is already inaugurated in heaven. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Your will be done. Your will be done.
your will be done. Lord, we pray for the suffering from disease and cancer and illness and many in our congregation, the names we see before us um, who are suffering. Bring your healing presence and comfort into their lives. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Kingdom come. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are the king and that you reign over heaven and earth and that you bring our prayers into the presence of the Father through your death and resurrection for us. And we pray uh, that great prayer that you gave us to pray in which we invite your kingdom to come, saying together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Amen.